This is one of the more perplexing of Christ's parables that he ever gives because it really seems as if he's commending a dishonest steward. A steward was found squandering his master's wealth. The master says to him, you have to get your things together because you can no longer work for me. And he goes out and he finds a way to get all the payments of the debtors of his master reduced for what purpose? So when he loses his position, he'll have something to fall back on. And Jesus says, well done to him, basically. It's like if you were dating somebody and you realized the relationship was on the rocks. So you start flirting with a lot of other people just so when that relationship fails, you'll have something to fall back on. And Jesus is like, way to go. That's exactly how you should do it. That's not true. You should not do that. (laughs) So what does Christ really mean by that? Why does he seem to be commending a dishonest person? But it's all come down to what he says at the end. The children of this world are more prudent in the dealings with their life than the children of light for eternity. It's much easier for us to think about how do I need to take care of myself in this life versus how am I preparing myself for eternity? There's a very simple reason for that. We're all detached from heaven. We have not yet experienced death, any of us. So it's very easy for us who only know this life, this world, to do everything we can to prepare ourselves so that we're always taking care of financially or relationships or jobs or whatnot because we always know that this is what matters right now. But the question that Christ really puts before us is, am I building up my treasure in heaven? You guys are all here at Mass today, so you have a pretty good start at that. We all do, right? But how much am I putting my time and my efforts and my thoughts on things of this world that are all passing away versus our eternal dwelling place in heaven. That's why Christ says continually, build up your treasures in heaven where nothing can ever destroy it. Because everything that we build up on earth, everything that we have, everyone that we know is going to die. This is a beautiful Sunday morning. Welcome to St. Paul's. Yeah. It's a hard message, but we have to really think about this. How much am I putting my efforts and my thoughts and my heart into what will remain forever in heaven? And I think that's what Christ is really calling us to think about. There's a thing about sin. Sin is immediate. If you think about the times when whatever you have to confess, oftentimes what we confess is things that we chose in the immediate moment. Sin makes us think about five minutes from now. Grace causes us to think about five years from now. Like, how are the actions, what I'm doing right now, going to affect my future? And we take that further and further until we get to eternity, right? When I die and stand before the Lord on my judgment day, how are the actions that I'm doing right now going to affect that? But sin makes us always think about the present moment. I have this urge that I have to answer. I have this anger that I want to get out, this impatience that I can't hold on to, this lust, whatever it might be. It always directs us to the present moment. And Jesus is calling us to look forward. And one of the things that has always opened my eyes to really become more prudent in my dealings with eternity have been near-death experiences. I don't know about you guys, but I went through this phase where I was really interested in near-death experiences back when I was in college. It was like the thing that opened my eyes for the first time to our faith Because 
Something interesting about our societies, we don't talk about death too often. Even as a Catholic priest, I have to say, like, one of the most uncomfortable things that I have to deal with are funerals. Because, and we even change the, the, how we call a funeral. People in the Catholic Church for the past 50 years stopped calling it funerals. They called it celebrations of life. I was like, why, why is that? Well, because we just want to think about their life. We don't want to think about their death. And then we don't want to pray for them at Mass. We just want to say they're in heaven because we don't actually want to consider any other possibilities. Like we've separated ourselves from the reality of death in our, in our society. And I think it's because we're living in a very hedonistic, pleasure-seeking society. Right? We have a lot of pleasures right at our fingertips. And the more we get sucked into pleasures the further you want to put away the consequences to that, to the end. So like before, when we were growing up, just like a hundred years ago, some of you were around, maybe. So what, what would happen though, you'd grow up in your houses and you would see your grandparents slowly passing away in your own home, right? So the doctor would come to the home to take care of your parents right in front of you or your grandparents. The priest would come to your home to bless the body. You'd be spending time with them in their final hours. And then even after the death, they would stay and there'd be prayers around that dead body. They still do that in monasteries. When someone dies in a monastery convent, they're actually put in the chapel for a couple of days. And all the monks take shifts of praying for the repose of that soul, of that person. But it's a continual encounter with death. And nowadays, what happens? Like immediately, if someone dies, you take them, you put them in the back of a hospital where no one can see them in a morgue, and then we just see them when they're you know, perfectly put together or a closed casket. So we don't have as much confrontation in our life anymore with the reality of death. And what that does is it causes us to just live more and more for the present moment without thinking about that. You really want a close encounter with near-death experiences, I encourage you to read Cormac McCarthy, especially Blood Meridian. He's one of my favorite authors, but one, one thing he writes about all the time is the reality of death in the world. And he was on an Oprah Winfrey show, and she asked him, why is it that you're always writing about death? And he looked at her, he's like, like she was the crazy one, and he said, is there anything else worth writing about? What's the purpose of life if everything goes to death? How are we supposed to live if everything goes to death. I was actually, this morning, I just came across a near-death experience of a young man who was riding his motorcycle. He was like in his 20s, and he started praying to God. He was a Catholic, but not a very strong practicing one. He started praying to God, like, I want to have an experience of you. I really want, whatever you have to do to change my life so I get closer to you, let that happen. And like, a hundred yards later, a car pulled out in front of him and he went flying off his motorcycle and had a near-death experience. For some really weird reason, I wanted to ride my motorcycle here to church today. I was like, this might be a great opportunity for my own near-death experience. But the Lord probably wouldn't send me back. I just get like a thousand years in purgatory in the end with my luck. But the point is, he had this near-death experience and what he had found out later is that, well, the way it was explained to him by this priest is like, he was going to crash anyway. The Lord put that desire on his heart to help him to cope with it. I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. But this guy, he crashed on his motorcycle and um, he was said to be dead for the whole ambulance ride. He was later resuscitated. And when he came back, all he could remember was seeing this greatest light 
No persons, no voices. It was just this incredible light. And he said he never felt so much love before. Like this unconditional, perfect, all-encompassing love coming over him. And when he came back, uh, when he was resuscitated later on, the only thought that he had was, what do I need to do to get my life in order? Like, how can I live for that love that I experienced when I was dead? And then he ended up becoming a Catholic priest, just ordained like two years ago. Um, he's a Swiss priest, but it's a, it a beautiful encounter. And that's, that's kind of what Christ is touching into. It's like when we have the realization that things break down in this world, that what ultimately remains is eternity, our life with God in heaven, it makes us act like that steward who started looking at his life and saying, how do I need to prepare myself for when my relationship with my boss fails and I need to be taken care of? Christ is saying that you need to have that same thought process when you're thinking about heaven. Prudence is, how can I live my life now so that I'm prepared to encounter God for all eternity? And that, that was really where my conversion came in college. Like before college, I wasn't really thinking about death. But when I started looking at these conversion experiences of people who had died and come back, again, I had this whole sense of like, well, what am I living my life for? Like, what really remains in the end? My work kind of lost its flavor. It's like I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. Where is it leading me? And like human love is beautiful, but there's a, a desire in me to live for a love that is forever, that never goes away. The perfect love of Christ. And so what I started doing was working at St. Vincent de Paul. And uh, anyone familiar? Anyone work with St. Vincent? Yeah, so one thing that they do is when anyone asks for money, you have to go with another person to go visit their houses and then you actually meet with them and see their needs. That way it's more face-to-face contact. So I started doing this on a weekly basis and I went with this guy named Mike. He's like an 80-year-old man, really just beautiful soul. And we would just talk a lot. We'd be going once a week to these visit these houses. And at one point he knew that I was considering a priesthood. But I didn't want to leave college. I didn't want to leave my family. I definitely didn't want to give up marriage at that point. And he'd always just look at me and say, you know, marriage is now a yellow brick road. I just, you need to know that. I'm like, no, I, I understand. He's like, no, you have no idea. It's tough. <laughs> so it's, uh, it always happens like looking his eye. I couldn't quite understand. Because when you're young, it's like marriage is give you the ticket to heaven. Um, but he'd always just repeat that. But then he, at one point, he was really pensive and just quiet. He was, did you know that I had a heart attack about 10 years ago? That I, I was clinically dead for an hour. I'm like, no, I didn't know. He was, I'm very slow to tell people about this because I'm afraid that if they're not properly catechized, that they might do something to hurt themselves just to get what I got. Because all I remember is dying in the hospital. And what I experienced on the other end, I can never put into words. But what I can tell you is the hardest thing in my life was waking up back to this world and having to live again. Nothing has been harder than that. He goes, and that's when I decided to start getting my life together in church, start doing the St. Vincent de Paul work. So it was really interesting. These near-death experiences led me into doing St. Paul's work, and then the very guy I'm put with entered it because he himself had a near-death experience. And that's when he looked at me and he just said, 
if you feel Christ is calling you to leave everything to follow Him, there's nothing that should ever hold you back. Not for what I experienced. You take my word on that. So I think these these near-death experiences can help us to really think about how am I living my life for eternity, for Jesus Christ. You know, when Jesus says something in the Gospels at the same time, He says, those who are faithful, little things will be faithful in big things. And it doesn't mean like you start to think about your death and then everyone drops out and becomes a nun or a priest. Although I'm a vocation director, so that would be really good for me in our diocese at this point. But it's not about that. It's about the small things that you can do to really take your heart piece by piece and give it to Jesus Christ. Coming to Mass is amazing, especially in our time when so many don't do that. But we need to understand that's the bare minimum. The bare minimum is coming to Mass on Sundays. Our life, our heart is really lived out in everything that we do between the week from Sunday to Sunday. So I just like, I want to invite everyone to really think about how are we little by little building up our love for heaven? By dialoguing with Jesus Christ, by coming to visit him in the Holy Eucharist, the Blessed Virgin Mary, anyone who draws closer to the Blessed Virgin Mary always has a deeper longing for heaven, a deeper abhorrence for any sin in our life. So praying the daily rosary or doing novenas to Mary, doing spiritual reading. As we go into the sacrifice of the Mass, let's just take that question, each one of us individually. What is something I can do during the week, something little that will more and more connect my heart to Jesus Christ and prepare me for eternity? St. Paul says that Jesus Christ, who was rich, became poor, so that by his poverty, we might become rich. He's talking about the incarnation, his death. And yet that's exactly what happens in every single mass that we come to. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, continues to become poor for us. Taking even the form of bread and wine in the Holy Eucharist, so that when we receive him, little by little, we'll become richer in his life, and for all eternity. Let us ask the question, how can I respond to that love with the rest of my life?